Oh, Jonah. <laughs> the Gilligan of all the Hebrew prophets. <laughs> Keeps getting himself into it. Anne gave us a good summary, but those of you who might be coming in the middle of the story, let me just give you the quick version. God reaches down into history and calls a man, Jonah, to be used for his purpose. And Jonah, being the good prophet he is, goes in the opposite direction. God loves him and the people that he wants him to minister to so great that he makes Jonah's life a bit miserable. In a storm, in the belly of a fish. But God uses that to rescue him. He calls him again and Jonah goes, we realize now, reluctantly, He's used by God. It's a partial repentance by Jonah, but a full repentance by a city. And then we come to our chapter, and Jonah stews, and God, through a series of questions, reveals the very core of his heart and asks questions about what is the core of our heart. You've heard me say it already. Jonah is a mid-course correction for the people of God. Would they participate in God's design for their life or not? And so it's a mid-course correction for every one of us. Will we be gripped by God's heart? And will our heart be changed to become like God's heart? So let's go to the text, uh, chapter 4. You want to pull your Bibles out? I'm going to go verse by verse. There's just so many fun things in this passage that I have to deal with this morning. Jonah chapter 4, verse 1. Uh, just to put it in context, in chapter 3, it ends with these words, God relented. And so now Jonah responds, verse 1. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. He was furious. Now, it's interesting, the Hebrew chapters were added later, but the text would have been much more of a flow. And the last time we hear this anger is when the king says, let's turn to this God. Who knows? Maybe he won't be angry with us anymore. Now, it is Jonah who's angry, and he's furious with what's happened. He's burning with anger. He just doesn't like the story. Remember, his message was, in 40 days, Nineveh shall be overcome. And he was hoping that was true. Because Nineveh were the worst people in the world, and they were his enemies, his people's enemies. He wanted God to be the God of justice in this moment. Here we get another picture of a prophet who doesn't understand his ministry. Prophecy is never to bring down. Prophecy is to warn so that we will enter fully into God's purpose. You've been around long enough, you know when I preach, there's sometimes I have to warn you. It's not because I'm being mean and cranky. Well, sometimes I'm cranky. Easy, Ron. This is Ron Canero's day. We're going to go after him today. When we need an illustration on sin, Ron is right here. That'll teach you to sit so close to the preaching pastor. But Jonah didn't get it. He was angry with God. God did the very thing that he thought he was going to do. See, Jonah's consumed throughout this story. He's consumed by hatred. He's consumed by disobedience. When he's consumed by fear, he calls out to God. But now he's consumed once again with his ethnocentrism. 
and his exclusivity notions on God. God had to be just the God of the Hebrews. I'm telling you, this is the backdrop of the whole story. The Hebrew scriptures are about this. Will the people of God step into God's identity for them? To be the people that were to be a priestly kingdom to the other nations. And so, verse 2, and he prayed to the Lord. Great prayer. O Lord, is this not what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and relenting from disaster. Don't you hate when God is like that? (laughs) Do you hear the audacity of this prayer? I mean, we've all negotiated with God. We've all prayed these kinds of prayers. But the audacity of this prophet, God, I knew you were this way, gracious and merciful. These words are only reserved for God in the Hebrew Scriptures. There's a possibility that the word merciful one time has a double context and it refers to people, but these are God words. I know that you're gracious and you're merciful. Slow to anger. Uh, The Hebrew is literally, you're long-nosed. I don't know what the context means. You know how euphemisms come, but I love that better than slow to anger. God is long nose. He's abounding in steadfast love. Has said. This is the most important word in the Hebrew scriptures. Just saying it, I got goosebumps. The said of God, his steadfast, loving, never changing character. It overcomes everything in his expression. Relenting from disaster. Jonah doesn't like this, and he continues in his prayer. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Oh, the tradition of the whining prophets. Anybody been there? It's amazing how easy I whine. And I consider myself a pretty stable person. But Jonah's not alone. This is why I love our scriptures. Our heroes have clay feet. We can enter into this story fully because we identify completely with Jonah's and Elijah's and Moses's and Abraham's, people of great faith who at the worst moments just don't get it. I'd rather die than live than to be used by, by you, God, in this way. Fascinating. And God's response, finally God speaks back to Jonah. The Lord said, do you do well to be angry? Um, This is the Chuck modern version. Really? (laughs) Uh, We were talking as pastors this week when we did our hermeneutical time. We wish we could have tone in the Bible. I would love to see God's face in this one. Come on, Jonah. You have something to be angry about? So God lets him go. Jonah went out of the city, verse 5, and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under its shade till he should see what would become of the city. Now, there's something really fun happening in the Hebrew here. The word booth is sukkah, which would have made the people think of sukkot. They would make booths every year during a festival, and they would go and live underneath them to remind them that they used to be foreigners and strangers in another land and that God had cared for them all this time. Part of the Sukkot celebration was that they would reread the law 
And in the law, there would have been reminders that you have sojourners with you. Treat other people from other places with the same love that God has treated you. I mean, the Hebrew ear would have heard this and would have loved what's happening in this spot. Jonah, though, is escaping. Remember when the storm is going on? When the sailors are praying from the top of the boat? Jonah's down below sleeping. See, this is Jonah's means of not being able to deal with his own reality. He anesthetizes himself. And now he's going to go out and sit under the shade uh, of this booth that has been created. Um, this is not my big so what, but I want to place it in here because this is a really interesting idea for those of you who like leadership. For me, leadership is not impact, it's influence. There are a lot of people who have impact and it dies very quickly. True leadership has influence that carries on from generation to generation. We saw that yesterday in celebrating the life of Joe DeRuvo. We saw that Friday in celebrating the life of Dick Impostato. Uh, I couldn't be yesterday at Mary's celebration, but I heard it was glorious. True leadership brings influence, not just impact for a moment. Jonah has impact, but he doesn't have influence because he's more concerned about his comfort. He should have been back there with those people, discipling them into the love of God. A hundred years later, prophet, the prophet Nahum says, God's destruction is coming on this city. If Jonah had acted differently, how would have Nineveh been differently throughout all of history? I don't know. That's not a main part of the sermon, but it just interests me. So let's go back. Verses 6 through 8. Now the Lord appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. Oh, our happy prophet. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm and attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind. Just so you know, scorching east wind is an image of judgment. People would have seen this. And the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, It is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, Yes, I do well angry, angry enough to die. Now, it's getting really ridiculous in here. It's one thing to be obstinate to God for a moment, but to press into the obstinacy to the level that he does. And this is the backdrop of the story we've seen, is that God keeps appointing inanimate things to accomplish His will. A prophet who has his own will to exert, and it doesn't cooperate. God appoints a plant. God appoints a worm. God appoints a sun. God appoints the east wind to do His thing. God is going to complete His story. Just hear that right now. God is going to finish it. Jesus will be lifted up as King of kings and Lord of lords. Every nation is going to bow at him and declare that he is Lord. He is going to do that. And his statement to us is, will we join him in that process? It's as simple as that. The Bible message just comes right down to that declaration. God's love will consume the nations at some point. He will love them, and he says to his people, will you be so consumed by my love that I will be able to use you? I'm starting to preach now. And then the Lord said in verse 10, and this is the power punch, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, 
which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left? God reveals the core of his heart. The New Testament says it this way. You've heard me pray this multiple times because I really believe it. It's true. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. And he invites us all into that process of bringing repentance to the world. In my book, commercial, <laughs> I offer this poem from Thomas Carlyle, which is really the punchline of the whole story of Jonah. He wrote this in 1969. So when I think back to 69, what it was like, and I think now, it grabs me even more. And Jonah stalked to a shaded seat and waited for God to come around to his way of thinking. <laughs> and God is still waiting for a host of Jonahs in their comfortable houses to come around to his way of loving. So what's the so what? The so what is the revelation of the character of God is greater than the most violent society and the most stubborn prophet. The gracious, the merciful, the compassionate, the one who is filled with has said steadfast love who has expressed that love in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ to come and take what we deserved as the punishment, that love always wins. So as we finish the Jonah story, the declaration is, will you allow the love of God to just saturate your life? Let him have every place. And then as he saturates your life, will you just open up the floodgates and allow him to saturate the people around you? I've been inspired these last two days by telling the stories of Dick Impostato and Joe DeRuvo. Two pillars. Two people who made a difference in this world because they knew the love of God. Joe left a little note that was to be read to his family on this day. He says, I leave to you a legacy, an inheritance that's never going to spoil. I leave you the gospel. Wow. See, legacy isn't what we leave for people, it's what we leave in people. 
And as Pastor Nathan and I were talking and praying before the service today, we looked at each other and said, why not just live like Joe DeRuvo the rest of our lives? Nothing to prove, nothing to protect, embracing the world, especially our enemies, because God is a compassionate God. Amen.